0: I want you to walk with me through the, the message today and the talk today, and I realize, I realize that, um, that our crowds have been lower today, and it's not because last week I talked about money and you knew this week I was going to talk about money. I know that's not why the crowds are lower today, but it's because of, uh, you know, uh, some of us melt when it rains. And, and so, uh, uh, but you're here. And God has something very significant and special to share with you. If for no other reason, you know, the truth is we're here to worship God. That's why we've gathered here. And that's, that's why we're here. That's why you're here. So let's worship him. And worship doesn't begin with a song and then end when the song is done. That's not worship. Uh, worship is when we consistently, persistently, passionately, and purposefully give God all that we are inside and out. Our mind, our affections, our desires, our attention, and so right now we're supposed to be worshiping God. And so I want to I want I want us to kind of walk through this idea of worship, especially as it relates to giving our offering to the Lord. In Deuteronomy 26, and I've already read a portion of it. Deuteronomy chapter 26, we see that God uh, puts His expectations. On the children of israel and and those are expectations that we learn from today as followers of Christ. Um, just kind of give you a snapshot again, last week we looked at Deuteronomy chapter fourteen, and uh, we saw some of the principles that are attached to tithing and giving and and uh, and, and today we 're going to continue that, but but what Moses was doing, Moses was not going to enter into the promised land. If you remember, Moses helped. Uh, lead the children of Israel out of Egypt, out of the land of bondage. God parted the Red Sea, but Moses was the one who lifted up the staff. He's the one that led the children of Israel. He's the one that went up to the mountain, got the Ten Commandments, came down, broke Ten Commandments, went back up, got some more Ten Commandments, came back down. He's the one that had to lead this this mighty nation of people. The Israelites, And he led them all the way through the wilderness up to the edge of the promised land, standing on the edge of the Jordan. Uh, the people wanted to send spies into the promised land, and that's exactly what they did. They sent spies, even though God said, go and possess the land, and I'll give it to you. They sent spies into the land first, and jo- uh, there were 12 spies. Ten of them came back and said, boy, it's a beautiful land, but we, we should not go because it's too dangerous. There are too many giants in that land, and they're going to kill us. But two of the 12, uh, Joshua and Caleb said, no, let's go take the land because God said he already gave it to us, given it to us. So let's go and take the land that he's given us. But the people won out, the, the, the 10 uh, won over the, the, uh, the people, the people voted where there really wasn't a vote. You, you have to understand there really was not a vote. God said do it so they should have done it. They shouldn't have had to take a vote on it, and, and that's where, where voting can get us in trouble when we decide that we want to vote our way out of doing what God wants us to do. It's a dangerous place to be. And that's what the children of Israel did. So they didn't go into the promised land. God put his judgment on them as a rebellious people. He said, you've got to wander in the wilderness now for 40 years until this generation has died out. And Moses had to lead the children of Israel through the wilderness. Now, God still cared and had compassion on the people. But now uh, the generation has died out. They've been 40 years in the wilderness, having no home, living in... Uh, <clears throat> living in a, 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 a nomadic life, uh, and now they're at the edge of the Jordan once again. Moses cannot go into the promised land, um, so he has to pass the mantle onto Joshua. And Deuteronomy is a book that was written uh, and, uh, of Moses' big, long speech to the children of Israel, this new generation, is they're getting ready to go into the promised land. And so he gives them, really, God's expectations, reminds them again of God's expectations for them as the people of God. And Deuteronomy 26, Moses says, Now, here's what needs to happen. When you enter the land, you have harvest, you bring your tithe to the Lord. This is how that needs to work. And ultimately, he's saying, and this is, this is what we need to take away from it, is simply this. Um, giving our offering is an act of worship. And it's just that simple. Many of us look at offering as kind of a, a duty that must be fulfilled, an obligation that, that we got to push ourselves through, but but really that's the wrong view of giving. See, giving an offering and a tithe is not some some rule and ritual that we need to follow, but rather it is an act of worship from a heart of worship. Now, last week we saw that tithe, the, the Deuteronomy fourteen, the tithe was a celebration of God's provision in our lives, and and that is true. And 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 here we see that that giving our tithe or an offering is a is a act of worship to the God who has given us everything. Right. It, I know that some of you are going to, and, and even last week, so you said, well, you know, tithe that's Old Testament. You're, Eric, you're preaching Deuteronomy 26, that's Old Testament. And, and what, just look at Deuteronomy 26. Just, just look at verses uh, 1 and 2. Here's, here's what God says through Moses. He says, it shall be when, when you come to the land which the Lord your God has given you as an inheritance and you possess it and dwell in it, that you shall take some of the first of all the produce of the ground which you shall bring from your land that the Lord your God is giving you. And you're going to put it in a basket and go to the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. And you go to the one, <coughs> verse 3, who is the priest in those days, and say to him, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come to the country which the Lord swore to our fathers to give us. Now, what's he saying is, he's saying, hey, listen, you need to take a portion of the first fruits. And you need to put them in a basket, you need to bring them, and you need to present them to the Lord, okay? And <clears throat> some of you might say, well, well, that's good for the Old Testament, but we're, we're a New Testament people. Now, that's Old Testament. Give a tithe, give 10%, give a portion, and fill a basket, bring it. But, but we live in the freedom, the liberty of the New Testament. We're under a new covenant. We're the people of God. We're living in the land of God's promise, but, but we're not bound by such legalism and, and regulation. And, and I would say you're exactly right. I would say absolutely. The New Testament picture, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourselves a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable service of worship. And do not be conformed any longer to the mold of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove that which is the good and acceptable, perfect will of God. What's the difference? Well, worship in the Old Testament is where we present our offering to the Lord, first fruits of the harvest. Worship in the New Testament is where we give our all to the Lord. Where we give all that we are. See, one is I'm given part of the food that I've collected. The other, Romans 12, is where I give myself as a living sacrifice. Yeah, you tell me Old Testament doesn't apply. I would say absolutely yes. Old Testament is a chicken in the farm contributing the eggs. New Testament picture is a hog at the farm giving his entire life did y'all get that because that was pretty good chicken contributes eggs hog whole hog everything y'all get it y'all got it was that a little agrarian for us new testament is where we give everything that we are including first fruits So the principle of first fruit still applies. It's just that it's not enough. That's not just because I give. And some of us have gathered here and we say, well, I'm a member of this church and I've been a member for so long. And God honors me because I've been a member here. I give my tithe regularly every week. God's not looking at whether you give your tithe. God's looking at your heart. Have you given him your all, which includes the tithe? So here we are, we're looking at how do I worship the Lord? Well, I worship the Lord by giving him everything that I am. And I hold nothing back. As we look at Deuteronomy 26, we we worship the Lord by giving our offering, a portion, first fruits. We fill our basket, we bring it to the Lord. And and by the way, on October the 18th, we're going to have this harvest day. And we're going to do it a lot like we see in Deuteronomy 26 we're going to end the service in this big celebration where we bring our baskets to the Lord and whatever God has laid upon your heart and here's our gimmick you want to know our gimmick and on that day and and we're going to raise a big offering you want to know what the gimmick is the gimmick is you're a follower of Jesus I'm asking you to go and pray and ask God how he wants you to give and I expect you to come back and give in obedience to what God has told you to give that's the gimmick not much of a gimmick but that's it. See, I believe that God can do in your heart 10 times more than what I could do with a bunch of rhetoric and ya, 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 rah, rah, rah. And on top of it, you want to know what a success is for us? A success is when we hear from God and obey him as it relates to our offering and our giving. For some of you, that means that some of you are going to have to start this journey. God's going to place on your heart a desire to start the journey of giving. And, and you're going to be challenged to do that. And, and October 18th is going to be the day of the beginning of that journey. And you're going to come and you're going to bring your basket and you're going to celebrate your obedience to God and he is going to bless. For others of you, you've been giving, but, but God's calling you to up it a little bit. Instead of giving with fear, you're going to give with faith you're going to begin to live in a faith-filled place where you're going to give more consistently more regularly more expectantly others of you God's going to lead you up to the to the to the uh, edge of the canyon and he's going to say jump and you're going to give in such a way that it's just like jumping into thin air trusting that God's going to catch you You see, God's going to move in your heart and your life in different ways. But the challenge for us as followers of Christ is to worship the Lord obediently. Obediently giving the offering that he's called us to give. All right? So that's what's going to happen. Now, as we look at how giving our offering, our tithe is an act of worship, we look at this passage and we begin by celebrating God's grace. And that's what verse three is. See, see, when we give our offering, it is a celebration of God's grace in our life. The way it works, you get, you're in the land that God gave you. It's the land that God lets you live on. It's his land that he opened up for you to live on. It's his land. You get to stay there. And you get to stay on that land, not based upon who you are, but based upon God's grace. It's a picture of his grace. you, you, You live in this land, you plant the crops, you harvest the crops. Now you fill your basket of the first fruits, your tithe, your offering. You bring it to church and you lay it there before the priest and you say, this is the produce that I have because God, you let me live in this land. God, because you open the door and you let me live in this land of promise. Here's the produce. God, I celebrate the grace that you've given me by letting me live in this land. See, that's what Paul was talking about in Romans 12, where he said, Brethren, based upon the mercies of God, present yourselves a living sacrifice. He was talking about the grace of God. Uh, When when we gather together and we have our offering and we give our tithe, we're not just giving according to rules and regulations. We're celebrating the fact that I am a sinner who has been saved, not by virtue of how good I am because all of my goodness is nothing but faith, filthy rags and garbage in the light of God's holiness and righteousness and purity but I am celebrating the fact that God in his grace because of his great love with which he loved me even when I was dead in my sin and my trespass he has made me alive together with Christ Jesus and by grace I have been saved I was once lost but now I'm found I was once blind but now I see I was once dead but now I live and it's not because I'm a religious person it's not because I'm a moral person. It's not because I'm an American person. It's all because of God's grace. He sent Jesus my way. And even though all of us in the room, we deserve nothing but hell. And by the way, this is my hellfire and brimstone coming out. Didn't know if you, had, if, if you knew that I have it in me, but I have it in me. And, and here's the way you know it's coming out. It's when I start pointing my finger a little bit. And And the truth is, you and I, you and I, you and I, we don't deserve heaven. We deserve hell because we are sinners separated from God. But God in his great grace, because of the abundance of his mercy toward you and me, even when we were sinners, he loved us enough to send Jesus to save us from our sin, to die on, our, uh, on the cross in our place, to be raised from the dead so that when we place our trust In Jesus, when we take hold of him, he moves us from the land of darkness and moves us into the land of promise so that we are no longer strangers to the covenants of promise of God, but now we are full participants living in the land that God has given us by his grace. Today... When we bring our offering to the Lord, we are saying, I declare before you, Lord God Almighty, that I am here only because of your grace. Let me celebrate. Today, yeah, I know, you don't know when to clap. When's he gonna finish? Is he gonna take a breath? Is he gonna fall out? I don't know. According to Fitbit, I just burned 32 calories. All right, so, (laughs) look, 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 look. You and I are here not because we're good people. We have life not because we're moral people. We are here only because God in His grace stretched out His hand to us and said, come here and be mine. And through faith in Jesus Christ, He adopted us into His family. We need to celebrate God's grace. God, I'm here. And, and, and the good news is we bring our offering and, and today we don't bring it to a priest or to a pastor. We don't need a priest. We don't need an intermediary between us and holy God. We have Jesus Christ, our advocate. We have the very Spirit of God residing within us so that we live in immediate intimacy with holy God. And so we bring our offering and we lay it before Jesus, our great high priest who is interceding on our behalf before the throne of God right now, and we kneel before Jesus and we give him our offering and we look up and we say, Thank you, Jesus, for the grace. Today, we celebrate God's grace. And secondly, as we give our offering, we confess our faith in God's rescuing love. We confess that, that, that it is God's rescuing love that, that saved me from the pit Of my sin. And it's God's rescuing love that is still saving me. See, as Baptists, we are a point in time kind of people. And what I mean by that is we look at salvation as something that happened back then. There was a point in time when I crossed the line of faith, I became a follower of Jesus Christ. And that's true. And and for every person who once was living in darkness, there had to be a time where you crossed the line into the light right so i'm i'm a i'm a point in time kind of person myself i believe that there is a point at time in time where we were lost and then there was a point in time where we were saved right and I, there was a time where i was blind but then i crossed that line as a follower and became a follower of jesus christ so that now i see and there is, a, there is a definite line. You know, if you're blind and now you see, you know when that happened. You feel me? All right. So, so anyway, as Baptists, we're a very point-in-time kind of people, and we point to that point in time. And I'm all about that. I agree with that, except when we say that I was saved back then, and we forget that salvation is right now. See, I don't need just to be saved from my yesterday. I need to be saved in my today, and I need some saving into tomorrow. In fact, the living hope that we have as followers of Jesus is that Jesus is going to keep on saving me until he gets me all the way home to heaven. So when we look at God's rescuing love, we are saying, I trust God. And we bring our offering, we lay it before God and we say, God, I'm trusting you. Here's what you did yesterday. You saved me. Here's what you're doing today. You're saving me. Here's what you're going to do tomorrow. You're going to save me because this is the way God operates. You look in verse 5. And this is a passage I read earlier and I want to read it again because here's what, here's what the people are saying. They, they come and they bring their, their offering, their basket to the Lord and, and they give their offering, their tithe and, and they say, I declare that I am now living in the land that God you gave me. It's all about your grace. But then the priest, in verse 4 he says he says then the priest shall take the basket out of your hand set it down before the altar of the Lord and verse 5 and you shall answer and say before the Lord your God my father was a Syrian about to perish he's talking about Abraham there my father was a Syrian about to perish and he went down to Egypt and dwelt there few in number and and there he became a nation great mighty and populous he's talking about Joseph there Verse 6, but the Egyptians mistreated us, afflicted us, laid hard bondage on us. And we cried out to the Lord, God of our fathers. And the Lord heard our voice and looked on our affliction and our labor and our oppression. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and with an outstretched arm, with great terror and with signs and wonders. And he brought us to this place. And he has given us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now, behold, I have brought the first fruits of the land which you, O Lord, have given me. Then you shall set it before the Lord your God and worship before the Lord your God. So you shall rejoice in every good thing which the Lord your God has given to you. Now, here's here's the picture. The children of Israel, when they bring their offering, they're supposed to recite and rehearse God's rescuing love. They go all the way back to Abraham, Assyrian, wandering in the wilderness. They go on into Jacob and Joseph, and, and then to the bondage and the affliction under uh, Pharaoh's rule, and then Moses leading them out of Egypt and parting the Red Sea and and moving them through the wilderness and uh, feeding them with manna from heaven and and bringing water out of a rock and and bringing them to the edge of the wilderness and and even in their rebellion for forty years caring for them until he brought them back to the to the edge of the promised land and, and then crossing over the land of promise into the land that God had given them and they're living in that land today and what happens when the children of Israel were confessing uh, all of God's rescuing acts what happened happened yesterday became present tense for those who are giving their offering today. So that it wasn't just what happened to Abraham or what happened to, to my granddaddy when he was in Egypt. But now it's what God is doing for me today. God's the one who tore down the walls of Jericho when I was walking, marching around singing my song. God's the one who took us and led us to um, a, a, a profitable land, a land that was uh, filled with, with flush and flourishing uh, and, 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 and allowed me to plant my crops and, and raise my children. And he protected me from the lions and the tigers and the bears, oh my, and the Philistines and the Amorites and the Ammonites and the Amalekites and the Hoogahites And it wasn't just what happened yesterday. It's now what happens today. And as we give our offering, it's where it is going to happen tomorrow. We begin to confess that God has rescued us in the person of Jesus Christ. He's the one that brought me up out of my own pit and led me to the solid ground of a relationship with himself through faith in Jesus. He's the one who gives me instruction and direction and wisdom and life and hope and purpose and joy and peace every day that I live all because his spirit resides Within me and opens the word of God and the promises of God to me every single day. Today, I'm living not in the rescue of yesterday, although that's vitally important to me, but uh, today I'm living in the rescue of God's work in my heart, in my life, for my family, for my church, here and now, and I'm trusting Him to do it again tomorrow. This is who we are. And when we give our offering, it's a time for us to confess. Our trust and our faith in God's rescuing love. But many of us are out of practice or have never practiced. And so that's what we're going to do. Hopefully you have pen, paper, or some digital form of communication. I want you to break it out right now. Pen, paper, uh, find one from your neighbor. Everybody's going to need something. Everybody break out something. Everybody break out something. Pen, paper, uh, Y'all get out your iPhones or your Androids or your Megatroids or whatever. You get all those things out. Go to your notepad and start writing what I tell you to write. Here's what I want you to do. We're going to take some time. I want you to confess how God is rescuing you today. How has God rescued you? If you're a follower of Jesus, there's the first one. He saved me. How else has he rescued you? Start listening. Start thinking. Start praying. Oh, God, how have you rescued me? Open my eyes to see it. Open my heart to feel it. Help me to know it. Here, God, is how you are rescuing me. Start writing it down. And we'll take time. Start writing it down. See, I want you to hear verse 11 while you're writing. I want you to hear verse 11. So, so you shall rejoice in every good thing which the Lord your God has given you. Right, what is every good thing? See, here's the thing. We're supposed to be rejoicing every day in every good thing that God has given us. And that term for rejoice means that we have a celebration going on, a party in our soul. It, it literally means to get up and dance a jig. It means that you and I are supposed to be rejoicing. I don't mean the golf clap. I'm talking about the full-on, full-on fan of football kind of yelling, kind of clapping, yelling and shaking and dancing. Unless you're a Tennessee fan or a Virginia Tech fan. I know I'm feeling it too. I'm feeling it too. Write down. So as you're writing it down, do you feel the Spirit of God awaken in you, uh, uh, that yearning for God to keep on rescue, for keep to, God to keep on moving without stress harm and a mighty hand to move in your life? Do you see how God has done it? Go ahead and confess it. Go ahead and say it. Go ahead and share it. This is worship. This is the essence of worship. Oh, God, I praise you for all that you've done. Let me list them for you. You see, what happens to us is we get so consumed by by the constipation of our own problems that, that we can't see the rescuing love of God. We become so... Um, um, Uh, uh, maligned by our own mistakes that that we can't see how God is moving and shaping us in today and rescuing us we become so focused with a myopic view of our misfortunes that we can't see how that God is working right now for our good we need to celebrate every good thing that God is working in our life right here right now and we need to do it every day See, part of the problem with us is we, we, we give ourselves an out. We say, well, I'm just a, you know, I'm just a realist. Or I'm just a, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm more of a half, half glass half empty kind of guy. And, and we act as if that gives us a reason to be negative and, and, and mean-spirited and bitter toward people around us. It doesn't why because you once were in darkness now you're living in light because you once were living in the land of the shadow of death but now God by his grace and because of his rescuing love has picked you up and transplanted you in the land of the beloved son the 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 land of life the land of promise And we need to be living in that land of promise and celebrating in that land of promise. And I can promise you this, if we spend more time focused on God's rescuing love and less time on all the things we don't have or wish we did have or wish didn't happen or wish could happen, if we spend more time focused on the rescuing love of God at work in our lives right now, we'd be a better people. We'd be a happier people. We'd be a more focused people. We'd be more faithful. One of the reasons I believe so many followers of Jesus are so tight with their money and so tight with their heart is because they fail to say say with that with Job. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. But blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord giveth. And the Lord taketh away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. See, we're happy to say blessed be the name of the Lord as long as the Lord is giving. But the minute we start losing or things get torn out of our grip, we immediately say God doesn't care. God doesn't like me. God's judgment is on me. And some of that may be true, but the bottom line for us as followers of Jesus is we need to declare and shout and confess, I trust God's rescuing love in my life here and now. The Lord giveth. And the Lord taketh away, but blessed, blessed, blessed be the name of the Lord. Today, we need to confess our trust in God's rescue. And by the way, if you aren't still writing because you can't think of how God has rescued you, you need more practice at this. If you only have a couple of lines written down, you need more practice at this. If all you can do is think about, oh, well, this is wrong and this is wrong and this is wrong. Guys, we're in the presence of a holy God right now. We need more practice. You need to practice every day. We need to confess our faith in God's rescuing love. And as we're confessing, as we're bringing our offering, bringing our basket and confessing God's rescuing love, our faith in his love, then, then we also ask for his blessing. We ask for God to bless us. You see, throughout Deuteronomy, throughout the Bible, there is a connection between our obedience and God's blessing. And I want you to understand that. When we obey, God blesses. And and I'm I'm telling you, it's, it's complicated sometimes, but this one is simple. If you are obedient to God, He will bless you. If you are disobedient to God, then you will lose blessing. It's just that simple. Now, what Moses does in verses twelve through sixteen, he's saying, Okay, now here's what you need to do. You need to remember that that you are going to be faithful. And 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 if you can make the affirmations that you are faithful in giving your tithe, your offering, this basket that you're giving is a faithful representation of your obedience to God. If that's what that is, then then understand that that you can count on God's blessing. Now look at verse 15. Uh, verse 15, he says, look down from heaven. This is our cry to God. If we've been faithful, then here's our cry. Look down from your holy habitation from heaven and bless your people Israel and the land which you have given us just as you swore to your fathers, a land flowing with milk and honey. When we are obedient in, 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 in our faithfulness to God, then we can look to God and say, okay, God, but, but here's what I need. I need you to bless me in this. I need for you to move with power. I need, to, I need you to stretch out your hand again. I need for you to help me. I need for you to bless me. Oh, God, will you bless us again? Oh, God, bless me. Oh, God, bless my family. Oh, God, bless my friends. Oh, God, bless my church. But God, bless, please, bless. You see, when we, when we are faithful in our obedience then we can count on God saying, yeah, I'm going to bless you. I love that about God. And you might say, well, Eric, I, I, haven't, been, I haven't been obedient. I, I haven't been faithful. And, and I guess that's why God hasn't been blessing me or I haven't felt God's blessing. And I would say you're exactly right. I, and and I, 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 I wish it were different, but it's just, it's just as true. When I'm disobedient to God, I forfeit God's blessing. It doesn't mean he stops loving me. He loves me just as powerfully in my disobedience as he does in my obedience. It just means that he's not going to bless me in my disobedience the way he'll bless me in my obedience. Today, don't think of the big stuff. Don't think of just the big stuff of disobedience in your life. Think of the little things. See, for some of us, us spiritual professionals our our, uh, Baptist religionist professional type people uh, we we look a good game but our heart is cold toward God we talk the right language and we say the right things and we 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 pretend real well but really our disobedience is in our heart and our attitude and our perspective and how we've treated others or how we how we view other people or how we view uh, even God himself and and, and it may not be some overt thing. It may be something real, one of those hidden things or secret things or deeper things in us. But you want to know what's, what's lacking, why, why the blessing is missing. It's because man, you're holding on to that disobedience. The, the good news for us, though, is this, that, that, that the minute the Spirit of God convicts us of our disobedience and we repent that disobedience and we turn to obedience and and we ask for God's blessing, you know what God says? Absolutely. Wide open, full throttle. See, God wants to bless. And and I'm not saying that that, uh, when it comes to being obedient in our offering, that it's a financial transaction as though if I give God a dollar, he's going to give me a hundred back. I'm not saying it's a financial transaction. I'm saying it's a spiritual transaction and a life transaction. If I'm obedient to God, he will fill me up in ways that no amount of financial resource ever could. He's going to bless me ultimately and finally it comes down to this when we worship God and give as an act of worship that it helps us to live in God's purpose for our life and The verses 16 through 19 is where Moses is kind of ending this wonderful sermon that he's preached for 26 chapters and and he's closing the sermon down and and, and as he closes it, he says in verse 16, he says, This day the Lord your God commands you to observe these statutes and judgments. Therefore you shall be careful to observe them with all your heart and with all your soul. Today you've proclaimed that the Lord to, proclaim the Lord to be your God and that you will walk in his ways and keep his statutes, his commandments and his judgments, and that you will obey his voice. Now verse 18 and 19. Also today the Lord has proclaimed to you, Now, get this. This is where worship really kicks in. See, it's not just what we proclaim to God. It's what God proclaims to us. Do you realize God is speaking to you today? God is proclaiming to you. Now, what's he proclaiming? Verse 18, he says, and and, and also the Lord has proclaimed you to be his special people, just as he promised you that you should keep all his commandments, and that he will set you high above all nations which he has made in praise and name and in honor so that you may be a holy people to the Lord just as he has spoken. So that you might be a holy people to the Lord just as he has spoken. Now, here's what I'd share with you. When we give our tithe, our offering to the Lord, we are declaring our allegiance to God. But God is also declaring his allegiance to us he's he's saying to us i I want you to know you are my masterpiece you're a precious work of art that i've created that you are special to me because we are covered in the blood of jesus christ because we are covered in the robes of christ's righteousness we belong to god and and he looks upon us approvingly and he says you are my precious treasure he says he's going to bless us but he's going to bless us for a purpose so that we might be his holy people. Uh, being his holy people, holy there is kadosh, and it literally means to be set apart for a special purpose. You realize that's, that's the root meaning of holiness in the Old Testament. It, I'm set apart for God's purpose. See, when we present ourselves to God as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable God takes our offering and he presents us to the world as his people living according to his purpose. See, God has given you a purpose. And that purpose is bigger than our ambitions or our desires or our yearnings or our propensities or... uh, Our purpose is a divine purpose built upon the divine promises of God. And as we worship the Lord, we commit ourselves to live in His purpose, to do what He wants, to fulfill His dream, to really be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is our reasonable service of worship so that I who live live no longer for myself but for him who died for me and rose again so that I am now crucified with Christ and it's no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me and the life that I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me see here's the deal when we worship the Lord and when we give our offering and we give our lives to Jesus he sets us apart to live in his purpose we're Are you living in his purpose? You might say, Eric, I don't know what his purpose is for me. Can I I give you a directional here? You don't know what his purpose is? I can tell you at least one purpose he has for you. The reason you're going to the school that you're going, the reason you work at the place in which you work, the reason you're on the ship or in the crew that you're on, the reason you live in that cul-de-sac or that apartment complex, the reason you uh, are playing golf at a particular place or the reason that you shop at a particular store, every place that you go, every relationship you have, God has orchestrated so that you might be His person in that person's life. So that you might show them how that they can taste life even though they're only died as death. And show them how that they who are blinded can see. Guys, listen. Your purpose is to help those who are far from God find life through Christ. And that is a purpose that you commit to in worship. So today, my question for you, for me, for us all, are we living in his purpose and if not will you commit to do so today